0: Episode sixty-eight of the Mountain Bike Podcast, and Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas! Any other holidays we want to throw in?
1: Joyous Kwanzaa! Yes, indeed. All I don't the, even know what Kwanzaa is. Yeah, well, oh, that's know. Know a thing. Yeah, Google can fix all problems. They can.
0: This is the Mountain Bike Podcast presented by Worldwide Cyclery. Indeed, I want to read something really quick that we got from an awesome listener. Okay, if that's okay. Go says, Hey guys, not a question, but just wanted to drop you a line that I used worldwidecyclery.com for some Christmas orders. What he really meant to say was he went to mountainbikepodcast.com store. Clicked on the worldwide Cyclery banner. That's what he really meant to say. But that's too long to type. I I understand. And then he says, for some Christmas orders and had an awesome interaction with the gang at the store via phone as well, thanks for the tip, and I always appreciate supporting those businesses that support us and our sport, or in this case, you guys. So all the best to you. Be well. Have a wonderful holiday season. New Year's to you and yours. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Phil. Phil seems like a good guy. Phil. If you
1: need bike parts, you go to where, Stephen? Uh, no, first you go to mtvpodcast.com. <laughs> yep, go to the banner. Go, and then you go to our store. Yeah. Uh-huh. And at the very top, it says parts and accessories, and there's a banner that goes to, you click on that thing, and it goes to Worldwide Zachary's website.
0: And that makes it so that we can justify continuing to set aside time, like right now, at 6 p.m. on a Friday, after we've both, you know, worked full days. and uh, Well,
1: maybe you did.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. pretty
1: light on work okay. for the winter. Gotcha. I'm getting some me time <laughs> okay. in. Okay.
0: So, and, and, but anyways. Yes. It's... it's this is how we justify this thing and and it helps us to be able to then go do more content We have some plans for the coming year mm-hmm. um, Talking to some interesting in fact uh should I drop this one yet? Oh yeah. Well, you already started. Yeah, I'm I'm testing a new uh, product on. Well, not new product. It's an existing product, but new to me product on the Yeti SB 5.5 right now. It's a squishy thing. It's a squishy thing. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not a front squishy thing. It's a so it's a a, a strut. <laughs> a coilover <laughs> strut. Of sorts. Of sorts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> of sorts. Um, um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, and. We're going to possibly be talking to some very interesting people. Send in your messages in terms of your guesses about who or what, what this product might be and who the people might be behind it or the brand. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I see. Uh, it's not a lauf. I'll give you that much. I'm, I didn't put a lauf somehow into the rear suspension on my bike. That would be a little strange.
1: (laughs) Okay. Anyways. It's a uh, Kong dog toy (laughs) put in between.
0: Treats inside and all. It's (laughs) like your spacers or your tokens. You just put in more dog treats. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So anyways, uh, we have uh, some cool stuff planned for the year. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so stay tuned for that a couple of plugs. I want to give first of all uh, epic rides. They are
1: going they just released some really rad videos uh-huh. uh, If I don't know have you seen those things? I saw the 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 throwback Thursday review of the Carson epic with yeah. the, I forget which kid that was that they interviewed. Oh, that was talking about passing adults <laughs> <and> stuff. <laughs>
0: Thought it was really yeah, cool. It's awesome. Yeah, and then uh, but they've been putting out videos that are like recaps from these races They're super cool yeah. and it can give you an idea of which event you kind of like because it, it I feel like it does a good job of Highlighting the vibe behind the race. Absolutely uh, uh, All of them are awesome spoiler alert, yeah. uh, but they're opening up registration on January 1st. Yes, so please uh, This is the industry or this is sorry. This is the the race uh, Organization why am I struggling to find the word for that? This is the race organization that is actually like saving a lot of mountain biking right now Absolutely, like a lot of cross-country races or you know or the participation isn't as high as it once was and they're kind of getting lame And I know it varies I hear, yes, I hear we're not saying in I, general. I hear you, random guy in a spot that has a ton of XC races. Yeah. We're just saying in general. A lot of it's dropping the participation's dropping down. I see those numbers as a marketer in this space. Mm-hmm. But when you look at cross country marathon, it's shooting up. But really what it is is, yeah, epic rides. It's yeah. shooting it up. Okay. So it's awesome and it's getting more people involved on bikes. They are the most fun mountain bike races I do all year. Oh yeah. A ton of fun it's like a whole weekend it's awesome so check it out Um, we are not sponsored by them at all this is just something that I feel like is good for mountain biking and I bet it's good for all of you guys you'll see people that are total enduro bros racing these things like me yeah, um, last year there was a dude and he was wearing like a uh, the Giro switchblade, yes. like that three-quarter helmet. Yep. He had some gogs, mm-hmm. he was running the gogs, the 100% gogs, yeah. and he was like baggies and he was rocking, a, I think it was a Trek stash, and he was ripping up the climb at Carson wow. City off-road. Yeah. And, you know, just th- that's the cool thing is, you don't think twice about that. Yeah. And then there's the other the dude in Lycra, and then there's the total beginner, mm-hmm. and like, who cares, you know? Uh, it's really cool vibes, coolest bike races, uh, and they have usually like 15, 35-ish, and 50-ish mile options, Yeah, and you can do any of them that fit. Um, so check it out, epicrides.com. Follow them on Facebook and everything else. You can check out those videos. The Grams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Grams. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to cover is pink bike reviews. mm mm-hmm. They're awesome. Okay. Pink bike is putting out a whole kind of how bike magazine does their Bible of bike tests which I believe is coming up very soon which I always feel like is very well done yeah um, they are now uh, so I think that that one's coming out soon but pink bike is doing something very similar I think they call it the field test okay um, but they tested a bunch of bikes um, I always appreciate appreciate the the wit of uh, of Mike levy I like that I think he's a I think he's a funny guy that likes to poke the bear at times. Um, but I think he's a clever person, and he's also a very good bike reviewer. Mike Casimir as well, then they have like a whole crew. Um, they have it's, it's cool. I think that I saw like three videos where the main person revealing the bike was a female. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. We should see more of that. Uh, bike Mag does a great job of that, too, of involving, like, uh, they they kind of spread it out. And in some cases, and it's a female-only bike, you'll get only female. But otherwise, in almost every v- review, it's females and males together talking about the bikes. Yeah. That's a really important point. Totally. Um, anyways, you should check them out uh, because uh, they are doing a fantastic job on reviewing a lot of bikes, and that's a ton of work. Um, so, kudos to that. Oh, know you guys are thinking, oh, how tough. You know, they have to ride new bikes. Oh, day. no. Yeah. yeah, but it's a lot of work. Thanks. So, uh, the other thing that I need to announce again, reportedly is we're not going anywhere. <laughs> it's just, you know, wait, we're not done. <laughs> believe it or not. No, I this thought podcast we were will continue. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good to know.
0: <laughs> I guess I'll clear my schedule out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh we get people riding in wondering like, Hey, what happened? Or, or people even getting angry. It's been eight days. Yeah. <laughs> it's been seven or days. 14 four- days yeah, 14 or more. Days, yeah. it's sometimes it's more and it's just, it, we do it when we
1: can. We're trying as much as we can. Um, it's just, uh, we're busy folks. And at the end of the day, you and I are both of the mindset that we would rather have less quantity and more quality
0: Yeah, on like, anything. We're not just going to get together and like throw up a random rant or something. Yeah. No, we're not going to no. do
1: that. We no. appreciate you guys too much. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah we want to give you guys what you deserve, and we want to give you our best. Yeah. Because you guys have been loyal to us.
0: There was one guy who like kind of cracked a little bit of a wise guy remark in the podcast, Mm -hmm. or or sorry, on our Instagram. I should look up what he actually said. Um,
1: He said something, and it's... uh, I remember when you guys used to record podcasts. Was (laughs) that guy? (laughs) (laughs) Something like that. Which is funny. Oh,
0: man. Um, Let's see here. I think I can see it. Uh, So he said... um, Yeah. He says, you guys on the once a month train now? And I said, oh, you on the complaining about a free podcast train now? (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, Zing puts you in your spot. Um, But please keep listening. We love you all. Uh, But really, the the point is, uh, you know, uh, we like that you guys, if you complain about that stuff, it's good. We understand you you like and appreciate the podcast.
1: You guys miss us. We got it.
0: And it frustrates me because I want to record a podcast all the time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I just, I don't have that time. Yeah. Just is what it is, man. It's fair. Yeah. So, uh, this, we're just going to answer questions. That's It's a question sewed. <laughs> yeah. That's basically it. Do you have um, any questions? I mean, we get a lot of questions. We <laughs> got a ton. Okay. We could not answer them all. There's no way, but people can submit them. They go to mtbpodcast.com and please continue to do that. We like this. That's mm. uh, fantastic. Um, and I know you're just submitting it the chance to getting it answered. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, one other thing before we get in also reviews,
1: they're awesome iTunes them. reviews I haven't actually looked at our iTunes reviews I need to see if there's any funny ones lately yeah we should do that next episode yes we, we should will. pick out some funny ones totally we haven't leave. done that in a while either talked yeah. about
0: them on the podcast we'll do that next okay. next episode okay okay teaser um, oh and uh, sorry uh, a, cu- a f- couple things I'm going to be uh, out of the out of town in America's hat the great white north mm-hmm. uh, for about a week and a half almost two
1: weeks be north North Dakota
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actually like north north Idaho actually yeah ah. yeah north Idaho Um. up into Nelson Bay. BC Um, but I'll be up there uh, uh, on a trip for a short period of time so chances are you'll have a bit of a delay in podcast production hopefully we can get one done in between now and then but might be a little tough Mm -hmm. my brother will be in town maybe we ask him to come join us we should yeah it could be fun fun. he's a dork he's a bike nerd he's a bike nerd okay Uh, with that the questions we question question it's a ridiculous question false that's debatable First one is from Matt. I'm going to I'm gonna summarize this one. It's, it's long. a long one. It's long. Basically, he has a specialized command post IRCC. It came with his 2016 stump jumper. It's 125 millimeters in length. He has a lot of reliability problems with it, he's saying. Okay. Uh, what? in a ton of them. Like where it's squishy, it doesn't fully extend or, you know, insert. Typical dropper post problem, and he's having a lot of them. Okay. Okay, uh, so he's... But he says the perk to this drop proposal is the fact that at least that it's easily serviceable at home. Okay. Okay. Uh, So he's given some kind of, uh, I I guess, some some tips on this. Um, So he says, uh, yeah, okay. He says, Uh, with tips, he says, if it requires more than, uh, Oh, forgive me. Here he is. Okay. I try to stay in the recommended pressure of about 20 PSI fully extended. If it requires more than that, a clean and lube usually takes care of the issues that I would have. He says the seat post can stay in the bike. Uh, you can release the air pressure, unscrew the seal head, push the dropper lever, pull the movable seat post up and out and remove the bits on the shaft, slide the seal head off clean and lube. Using slick honey, he says, and then reinstall. So he says it's a pretty helpful thing mm-hmm. to be able to do all that. But he's basically saying I want a new dropper post because what I just read doesn't sound very fun. No. Um, so he's looking at them and he says, I don't want to mess with it every ride. What are your thoughts on the PMW or PNW? That's Pacific Northwest Products, Northwest. I think, or PNW components. components yeah. PNW Rainier IR one seventy and the E thirteen TRS plus one seventy. Uh, my understanding is they are both spring actuated and do not have a damper cartridge. It seems to me that this design will always work and there is nothing to adjust. I'm not considering the Fox transfer because I don't want the added expense and hassle of sending it off for service. Thanks in advance for reading this long rant question.
1: Cheers from Matt. I haven't tried the PMW, PNW. No, but the guys at Worldwide Cyclery love the PNW yep. products.
0: I have tried the E13 TRS Plus 170 and two gigantic thumbs up. Okay. Uh, No problems with it. Okay. Fantastic.
1: There have been some people that I know that have had problems with them. Yeah. Being what? Do um, remember what the problems were? No, I do not remember. Yeah. And that's, I didn't want to like go into it, but um, yeah. that's not to say it's a bad C post.
0: Yeah. I have one on my mom, my 5.5 five now. Yeah. I got rid of the reverb very happy about that yeah um, I was tired of having a suspension post added into my bike every yeah. once in a while
1: Pain um, Streak makes one of those by the way
0: <laughs> it's true the thud Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyways uh, and I put the e13 on there less money way better yeah it is awesome yeah I love it uh, it's been good on my wife's bike too so we have two out of two zero issues awesome post it's cheap the folks at e13 are really cool They're I bet rad. the folks at PNW are really cool too yeah. I just don't know them yeah one thing I can vouch for is the folks at e13 are awesome awesome people
1: yeah and one thing to consider with the Fox transfer that is the only C post I have never had any sort of failure issues with
0: and I know a lot of people like uh, I can't think of a single person that has had a Fox transfer in my mind right now that has told me that it's been problematic
1: yeah in fact the crazy thing is friends of mine that work at Fox and have worked at Fox say that it is literally the most reliable product they make
0: it's impressive and I mean I guess suspension is is kind of designed for the regular service yeah,
1: intervals, of but still but with that post they you know as far as failures go they've only had literally a handful of them so um, sending it off for service you also don't have to do you right. can service the Fox transfer at home if you have the proper tools pretty sweet so no. just don't not count that one out. Yeah, yeah. Not as easy, but also the performance version of it with a wolf tooth lever. Yeah. It's 290 plus the lever. I mean it's not they're not expensive. It's not too bad. Um yeah. uh the, the But way. they don't make it in the 170. That that's is the one thing. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh yeah, my vote would be for E13. I bet the PNW is really cool. I trust the guys at Worldwide Cyclery. So um they would know there.
1: Why don't you give them a call? Tell them that uh, Jonathan and Steven sent you and they can walk you through with one to buy. Good folks nice. Ladies. Good folks. Especially yeah. Liam.
0: <laughs> Liam's She's a, a nice cutie. Lady. Yeah. Uh, All right. From Josh, he says, uh, now that cross country marathon Nats is finally announced thoughts on the dirt course, tires, travel logistics, whatever insights you can come up with. And bonus question, will it be on Jonathan's race schedule? Uh, so we actually cut out the the rant that I had last week because they ended up changing the race just in, <laughs> just in time. But we, you and I ranted for quite some time about the, how we feel very out of touch nature. I guess the out of touch nature that is or that that was bad bad words bad words uh basically th- how out of touch usa cycling is with the reality of their constituency really mm-hmm. so th- i don't like usac And I, and I know that this is probably not common to hear through like cycling media and everything else. And remember you, sack it's not us. It's you. (laughs) I just don't, I I feel like I'm all for supporting them if they do good things. That's the thing. It's not like I'm against them in theory. I'm absolutely for them in theory. Mm. I just, I've been giving them money for a very long time and I don't feel like, you know, if I, if I'm a stockholder, which I'm not, but if I was a stockholder, which I guess in some respect I kind of am. You're a stakeholder. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like. You aren't doing what I want Yeah. in the sense that you aren't supporting junior cycling like I would like to see. That's what Nika doing. Mm-hmm. You aren't creating some sort of smooth path from Nika and then like really putting a lot of focus into building collegiate racing. Yeah. If you are. Email me. Great. Let us know.
1: You do the talent ID camps, which are great, but that's about it. That's all you do.
0: Sure, exactly. Talent ID camps are great, but there's like so much where I feel like they could be doing so much more. Um, You're letting road racing die on flat on its face. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are not. You did not get behind enduro, and still are not behind enduro. Um, You, even though I know you have it at nationals and everything else, but let's be real. It's like you're checking a box. You're not actually looking at at how to better that. In my mind, this sanctioning body has. It has an opportunity to get more communication and more understanding on participation in the sport and desires of mountain bikers than anybody else. Mm -hmm. But you're not doing anything with that. So do something with it. Anyways, that's my USAC rant. Um, And the whole thing that spurred that on was that they scheduled cross-country marathon NAS. They made an announcement. They scheduled it the same weekend as the whiskey off-road. And it was just like, how dumb are you? Yeah. Pros don't get paid at nationals. Mm-hmm. They get paid a ton at Epic Rides because Epic Rides understands what bike riders want. Because Epic a fun rides race and one that cycle. supports pros too yeah. financially. Yeah. Uh, anyways, they, they uh, I think people probably um, broke their their email. Like the email actually broke. It just mm-hmm. kind of like the Grinch's heart. If it's very timely for the holidays. Just yeah. ping. You know, just kind of snapped, and then they changed it, thinking it so. Anyways, it's in Texas. I don't know much about it at all. This Where is, is Texas. Uh, I believe, oh gosh, I'm going to get this wrong, but I believe it's in the Austin area, okay. but I could be totally wrong. So uh, please send in your emails and let us know locals to wherever this is going to be. Let us know your your beta. Give us information on this, on the dirt and the course, travel or tires and all that stuff. So then we can actually deliver this for Josh. He wants that information. Yes. Um, but I'm sure
1: there are a lot of other people that want it. Friend of the podcast, Ian. Uh-huh. At Cobb Tuning. Mm-hmm. You're in Austin. Email me. There we go. Let me know. Cool. Uh, I pa- could just. Payson
0: McKelvin. Yeah, Payson McKelvin. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Uh, he asked, will it be on Jonathan's race schedule? No, it will not. <clears throat> uh, it will not be on my race schedule. Good. I don't ever want to do cross country marathon national championships again. I tried it once. And, uh, it wasn't the bad experience that soured it. It's just, it's not the type of racing that I like to do. I like to do shorter, harder stuff. Okay. Um, that's why even like for the Epic ride stuff, I'm considering doing 35 milers this year. Okay. You know, I just, I like shorter races. They're fun. Yeah. Short, really intense. That's my deal. Okay. This next one is from Ted from the movie, uh, stuffed bear. I assume. He says, I'm still catching up on the podcast. I have about 10 episodes left. And one of them, you talks a little bit about Apple watch versus Garmin Phoenix five. I have the original Apple watch and I'm looking at the Phoenix five X a few things I'm curious about. Number one is the GPS very accurate. It seems that Apple registers rides about 25% shorter than my bike computer. I assume it's due to how often it pings GPS. So twisty trail might essentially be registered as more of a straight line. Therefore losing some distance. I can speak a lot to this mm-hmm. because of a startup. I was trying to get off the ground before, uh, I, I worked, started working with trainer road. Okay. Uh, so basically, um, so GPS is used, and I'm, some engineer is going to write in and tell me I'm completely wrong. So please do so. Um, Yay, but, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> we're excited. Love those. Yeah. Um, so uh, basically, mm-hmm. the way that the, GPS is typically usually ping at around one hertz. At uh, one hertz, at
1: least that's that means one ping per second. Yes, A hertz is one per second.
0: Yes, and basically that's their chipset allows that, right? Um, you can get ones that, uh, and and certain GPSs like uh, with telemetry systems ping higher because you need to as speeds increase, especially. Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, we are building a custom GPS for something that if people know what Lit Pro is now in the motocross world, and they have used it in some downhill stuff. Well, we were building that before Lit Pro was Lit Pro. Um, we just sucked when we couldn't get it off the ground. Lit Pro was better than us, so we mm-hmm. got it off the ground yeah. eventually. Actually, I don't even know if they're really off the ground because I don't think they sell it to consumers. I could be. Anyways, uh, but the point is, we had, we built a GPS that pinged at ten hertz because higher speed, we wanted to have more accurate data. Yeah. Basically, more plots along that line. Yes. Uh, now there are iPhones, and I, simultaneously, we were building an iPhone app that would be able to allow people to track and do all that. And iPhones have really like when you build a smartphone, they're very concerned with battery life, and they're very concerned with memory usage and the efficiency thereof. Right. Yes. So in this case, they are, uh, they do smart recording, like you see in a Garmin. You'll have smart recording, and what smart recording will do is it will it won't ping one every like one hertz. It'll actually <clears throat> ping slower than that. Yeah. And it'll actually it'll ping every it. five seconds or yeah. two seconds or and whatever. If you aren't moving. Then it will actually slow down that ping rate and still until you start moving again. Yeah. And some devices, they use accelerometers to differentiate between this. So then it's like, you know, it, uh, it, oh, it's, he
1: slowed down or yeah, he moved exactly faster right. or yeah.
0: And iPhones do this as well. So they they basically have like uh, the, the, the sample rate for their GPS is dynamic and it's changing. Yeah. And they are not made for tracking activities at speed, and they are not made for tracking activities with any sort of interference. They're really the GPS is just there for checking in at locations and making sure that that sort of thing is confirmed. And navigation with your car. But even then, navigation with your car, it's much less precise than you think. There's a mm-hmm. lot of smoothing and estimation and anticipation that's Lots
1: done. of algorithms that go into those.
0: Yep. And it, I mean, you've seen that before if you're on a freeway and you take the wrong off ramp. It thinks you you're stay on the same it, one for a while. It says that you're on the off ramp for a while. And then it's like, oh, yeah, no, never mind. You're back over here. Yeah. Um, So GPS actually has a a good amount of margin of error as far as accuracy in terms
1: of pinpointing your exact location. Within smartphones and Apple watches and Samsung watches and things like that. Yes.
0: And this is normal. And even with like a Garmin GPS, they're better. Mm -hmm. But there's even a decent amount of error there. If you're moving in a specific direction, you can generally get better accuracy uh, in the center. I don't know if I should be using accuracy or precision. I always get those two mixed up. But you generally get a better indication of where you were on a path if you're moving in a direction. Direction. Um, that decreases as the speed increases. Um, but anyways, uh, so that's kind of the deal. Uh, that's why in short an Apple or in long. That's why an Apple lot. Apple watch is not a great choice for uh, tracking your activities. with any sort of precision. Yeah. Uh, I also did not have the best of luck with the heart rate monitor with the Apple watch compared to the heart rate monitors on Garmin watches. Yeah, I feel like they're much better. Um, so I would absolutely go with a Garmin mm-hmm. watch over that. Um, how is Garmin pay? I use Apple pay a lot and would like to be able to pay with Phoenix. Yeah. Uh, I don't know because my four 935 doesn't have Garmin pay. And also there are very few relatively speaking locations with Garmin pay. Yeah.
1: And why not just use your Apple pay on your iPhone?
0: It's awesome on a watch, man. I know that sounds silly, but it's like, so I use Apple pay for almost everything. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you can just take your watch and you just touch your watch there you don't even have to take your phone out of your pocket it's like the most first world of first world problems but it's nice Hmm. it's nice to have um but having said that i pull my phone out now and i use it like that and it's it's fine yeah it it works but i do i really wish that this had apple pay gotcha it'd be be nice to have or i wish that garmin pay was ubiquitous and it's not um okay are notifications on garmin easy to see yeah. Nah, I mean, my no, phoenix 5 they're okay. just
1: they're, they're like whatever
0: it's not like apple
1: watch yeah for sure and you can't scroll through things yeah you it can't. shows you a preview of it and then that's it
0: yeah and, and on mine like i can drill in but it takes like two taps and it takes bilateral tapping yeah. meaning that it takes me to tap on my left and my right so it's you know it's a little bit of an operation it's yeah. not just like a really easy thing um and so yeah, this that's kind of a, a pain now.
1: Another first world problem.
0: This is entirely. Anytime you talk about sports tech, yeah, it's a first that's world true. problem. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he asks, "Does Garmin ring? Does your Garmin ring when my when the iPhone rings?" And yes, it does. However, if you put your phone on Do Not Disturb, your Garmin will automatically your phone. Or sorry, your Garmin watch will not send you notifications if your phone sure. is on Do Not now, Disturb. Now,
1: the other thing you can do is from the watch, you can put the watch into Do Not Disturb mode. So mine is set to vibrate only yeah. when I get notifications. And you can customize that. And I can you can customize that however you want. But if I put the the watch into Do Not Disturb, it will still give me the notification from my phone, but it will be completely silent and won't turn on the backlight. Yep. So that's kind of a cool thing that it does also. So you can still feel your phone vibrate in your pocket and look, but your watch didn't vibrate or make noise or light up.
0: If you decline your call from your watch, it declines the call on the phone.
1: Yes. It does all that. Yes. Yeah. And you can even answer it. Totally. Like I've got my Bowers and Wilkins um, uh, wireless noise canceling headphones, Mm -hmm. and I've actually answered a phone call from the Apple Watch into... The so heads, future headphones. It's so future. So future. It's funny.
0: Um, yeah. So, and, and I think the Garmin watches look better, um, personally. But they look you know. like real watches. Yeah, they do. But you know, whatever. Nostalgia. That's. Yeah, go Garmin. That's my opinion. And I know that there are Polar, there's Suunto, other things like that. If you want tech reviews, go to dcraymaker.com. Yeah. That is the spot to understand anything that has to do with cycling tech in the world.
1: And that's where I go to learn all my stuff on. Ray <laughs> knows
0: know, what just, he's doing, man. That dude is really good
1: at what he does. So, I, I was really mad by the way, when yeah. I finally got the Phoenix 5, less than a month later they came out with the Phoenix 5 Plus. I was <laughs> I so mad. And now they're blowing those out. <laughs> yeah. So, the, something's coming. Yeah. I'm sure,
0: Phoenix I'm sure Ray's been wearing seven. it for a year. We'll find out soon. Fair. Uh, okay. Ethan's question. He says, love the podcast. Five stars all day. Thanks, Ethan. Appreciate that. He says, my question is about purchasing a new bike. I'm 14 and I work at a bike shop, so I get discounts. I have a very bad beginner hardtail with a three by crank set. I was wondering your opinion on whether I should buy a new fuel EX seven. You like that bike. I
1: love the fuel EX from
0: my shop for around $3,000 with a lot of savings to do or buy a used fuel EX 9.8 from 2014 with a one buy for 1600 that I could buy immediately. What do you think? Thanks for the help. Don't buy the 2014. No suspension. Totally made big leaps and bounds since then. So I would say don't get that. He may have already gotten this because I think this is came in in like a month ago, maybe. Oh, sorry. Um, Yeah. But so maybe I I hope we are not too late, Ethan, Uh, but just the same. Uh, So, so my opinion is to, to is to get that fuel EX seven if you're gonna pick between those two options. Yeah, and I'll the EX7's a
1: great build. Usually your SLX XT, you know, your yeah. good mid level parts, I don't know this year's EX seven, or if you're talking an eighteen or nineteen, I'm not sure. But right. it's a great bike.
0: Can I recommend another bike though that actually would be cheaper than a sixteen hundred price point? Probably recommend two bikes. Two bikes. Okay. If he's gonna stay in the Trek vein, so to speak, the Trek Roscoe seven. A yeah. friend of mine was asking me about, like, bikes that you should buy the other day, and I was like, yeah, like, I was thinking, I was like, oh, Specialized has that chisel. I think it's called the chisel. No. I don't know. It's like their, um, it's like their fat, or it's their it's plus, a plus bike hardtail. Tail. Yeah. Because that's, like, honestly, like, that that would be such a fun bike mm-hmm. to ride. Yeah. And then he was like, well, what about the Trek Roscoe? And he has, knows nothing about bikes, but he, like, found this yeah. out. And I was like, holy cow. So this bike... Uh, I believe it has, oh gosh, is it a SLX rear derailleur? It's not like a crazy, you know, in high spec or anything. It's a Dior rear derailleur. Mm-hmm. Got a clutch. Uh, it looks like it has an 1136 cassette. So not the you know biggest cassette or anything else on range, but chances are you can probably switch it out. Hopefully you don't have to change out wheels, but I bet that it's, I bet the Trek is using some sort of like a free hub where you could find something that works. Yeah. Uh, you'd be able to change that out because this bike is only twelve hundred dollars. Uh-huh. It comes with a dropper post. It comes with a pretty darn good fork on it. It's got good geo. Yeah. Um, it's got a low stack height, which I like particularly, especially for for beginners. Um, or you may not be a beginner. You may just have a beginner bike. Uh, in in this case, Ethan. But I think that that bike at twelve hundred bucks, you could then switch out that free hub cassette shifter and derailleur since you work at a shop especially on pro deals and you could have for that 1700 bucks or whatever you're going to spend on the 2014 you could have a really really good bike yeah so there's that that's an option
1: yeah and and friend of the podcast Jason Sala the dentist that bought my scalpel last year yes Um, his kids he's got three kids two sons and a daughter and both of the boys have the Cannondale Cujo yeah and the daughter has the Roscoe oh cool so they are you know those kids are all on the same bikes and it's that's like the a other one bike yeah and that's the other bike that I would have recommended yeah. it's their trail hardtails they're and fun here's what's cool about
0: the Roscoe yes is or not the Roscoe the Cujo the, mm-hmm. the Cannondale Cujo it has a slightly lower bottom bracket
1: so a little bit more stable, a little bit better handling. Slightly steeper seat tube. Yeah, better climbing.
0: Better pedaling position. Yeah. The only downside when you compare that compared to the Roscoe okay. is the fact that the stack height is higher.
1: Yeah, it's by a little more centimeters. Higher. Yeah.
0: So, um, a decent amount, but then again, you might not need a really low stack height, you know, maybe you're fine with it. Yeah. Um, the, the fork, I believe that they have similar forks. Maybe the Cujo is just a bit lower. The Cujo is at 1600 bucks while the Trek is only at 1200.
1: So there is a $1,200 Cujo as well. Oh, cool. There's three Cujos. That's right. They have a 1200, a 1600 and something else, I think.
0: Yeah. So that's pretty darn good. Yeah. They have an 1100 one, 1200, they even have a $1,000 one, but it doesn't come with a dropper post. I think that's the big difference. Eleven hundred is the cheapest one that comes with the dropper.
1: But cool. Also, if you're paying retail on a Cannondale or getting a deal on a Trek, go for the Trek. Totally. Always yeah. go for yeah whatever you get the because deal they're that it. close of a bike.
0: Pretty sweet. I, I recommend that bike to a lot of people. That sort of bike. Yeah. I think it's cool. Absolutely. The one thing I will say about the special, I gotta figure out what name that of uh, that specialized one is. Man, it looks good. Mm-hmm. Like that's just dude. Specialized has a way of doing that with their bikes. Like. They just look really darn cool, man. Um, they're really good at making bikes that make you go, man, I think I kind of want that bike. So, um, what is that one called bike companies? You need to fix your websites and not give me 10,000 bikes when I want to just look at a, a single bike. Well, it's lost to the wind because there are too many bikes on Specialized website. Moving on. Okay, Dallin. He says I'm a 16 year old mountain biker that rides often throughout the season. I'm six foot two and weigh 230 pounds. I'm a heavier guy, as you can see. I have a 27.5 DaVinci Spartan, and I want to know some ways to improve my fitness and lose some weight for cycling. I just keep getting dropped on climbs. He says I've tried Zwift at a local bike shop, which I thought was fun, but thought that the trainer ro- thought that trainer road has better plans. Yeah, <laughs> you said it, but <laughs> I have to be the impartial party here. <laughs> yes, you do We're like sitting below a trainer road logo. So, yeah. you know, um, anyways, uh, so he says, uh, I don't have a road bike and only have a mountain bike. Should I get a cheaper road bike and buy a wheel off smart trainer or should I get a spin bike compatible with Zwift or trainer road? I have plenty of room, so that isn't an issue on storing the item. Awesome podcast. Five stars. Keep it up.
1: So. First we can do you want to just dis- discuss the Zwift versus Trainer Road just really quick. Sure, yeah, yeah. Opinion. Yeah. Zwift tries to fake that you're riding your bike. They try to <laughs> distract you from the fact that you're sitting in a building yeah, yeah. riding your bike literally nowhere. It's distraction. That's what it is. They're yeah. they're distracting you. Yeah. Trainer Road knows that you're like not thrilled that you're sitting in a room with a fan on you. But you don't cool. care. But you don't care. You're structured training. You are training yeah. for yeah. A goal. You are getting faster. That's what Trainer Road does. So that's the difference. One is you're riding your bike and they're trying to distract you from the fact that you're not actually riding a bike. Yeah. The other one tries to make you faster. Yeah, exactly. So it sounds like your goal is to get faster down. Exactly. So, and yeah. that's why I love Trainer Road. Thanks, that's, man. I'm. This is good very unbiased checks in the mail yeah (laughs) shut up you're not supposed to tell them I don't actually get a check from training well I do when I work on Nate and Chad's bikes that's true
0: we contract you at times because you are a good bike mechanic
1: Um, oh good now I'm just good got it okay I see how it is Um, anyway it's good but (laughs) but then um, as far as the bikes go I go back and forth with people on this you can get a Peloton bike or something like that or a spin bike as long as it's Bluetooth you know the problem with uh, Peloton is it's you a lock-in with their stuff, and you have to pay for their system. Otherwise, you can't use the bike.
0: Can I share some spin bikes that would be options? Yes. Uh So, Stages makes a spin bike. Stages makes a spin bike. That one is Bluetooth and ANT Plus, okay. so that it can pair with your phone via Bluetooth with no need for any issues. Mm-hmm. Watt Bike Atom, I believe, is the latest name of it. I could be wrong there, but Watt Bike. Okay. They make a good one as well. Um there are a couple other spin bikes but those are the two ones that I would recommend only those here's the complexity with a spin bike yeah it's a it's a hefty investment they always are and you can't and spin bikes don't do well when you take them outside yeah I mean, they're there outside, but they don't ride down a road very well.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) So, that was my point in this, is if I were you, I would get a base model aluminum road bike with like Tiagra components or even Sora, and then get a either wheel off or wheel on trainer, whatever you want. Sure. You can either get a trainer or you can get a power meter, one of the two. Yeah. And then dedicate that bike to your trainer bike, and it will be cheaper than a spin bike all day long. And you can still put the rear wheel back on it and go ride it outside if you ever really care to go ride with cars. Well answered, Steve. Yeah.
0: I think we're going to leave it at that. Okay. Go on to Phil's question. Good day, sir. Yes. He says, very quick question and and a follow-up to Stephen's tip on ceramic coating a bike to aid cleaning. Yeah. He says, would you apply this instead of something like Invisiframe? No. Would you apply it before applying InvisiFrame? Never, because InvisiFrame will not stick (laughs) once you've done ceramic coating. He says, I'm not sure I see the point in this then. He says, after adding InvisiFrame, so in effect, applying the ceramic coat to the InvisiFrame? Yes. So the point is, InvisiFrame protects your frame from impacts. Yes. Ceramic coating doesn't protect your frame from when you slam it into a rock.
1: No, it makes it easier to clean. It makes it so that dirt and mud and things do not stick to your bike. Mm -hmm. So all the ceramic coating is for is for making it easier for you to clean up, and so that grease doesn't stick to it, so that mud doesn't stick to it, so that your your goo energy labs gel, your birthday cake gel that you just spilled all over it doesn't stick to it and stain it. Yeah, that is what it is for.
0: Yeah, um, you put the Invisi Frame on first. Yes, and then
1: you ceramic coat. The yes, frame. and then you ceramic coat on top of it. That's
0: what us. That's what us very nerdy folks yeah. do. Yeah,
1: and but it's pretty nice. And it's not. Y- you can do the hard to apply. Um, wipe on, let cure, dry off or wipe off, you know ceramic mm-hmm. coatings like from C quartz or you know any of the other brands that make ceramic coatings. Or you can use Sonex spray and seal. Mm-hmm. And that is you wash the bike and while it's soaking wet, you lightly mist over everything and then you rinse it off and you have the hydrophobic effect immediately, within like thirty to forty five seconds, you're supposed yeah. to pull it off. Yep. Or you can use what I've started using on um on bikes and bike parts and you know as a recharge to the ceramic coating on my truck is Hydro Silex is a brand and they make a product called Recharge and it works really well. Sweet. It's it's not as easy, especially on hubs and spokes and things like that, where the Sonic spray and seal you just missed on and spray off and you're done. Right. Um, so it's a little harder to work with, but it also lasts a little bit longer.
0: Can add a couple of pro tips on coatings that people might want to use in muddy conditions? Yes. So if you have something like ceramic coating, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, uh, this is another kind of fringe product, but Maxima SC1 yes. does a fantastic job of making stuff just fall off. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have that, Pam, you can get cooking spray um, and in a pinch it's not something you want to put on your stuff all the time it's going to be a pain to clean off all that stuff but if you are in a muddy race Mm -hmm. and you need to put something on there to stop the mud from glopping up on everything Pam will do Pam
1: or even honestly pledge Pledge, you don't mind pledge, smelling like a terrible lemon I would rather that have scent? that than
0: smelling like a olive oil fake scented <laughs> thing yeah. Yeah. you could
1: also put mayonnaise on your bike. oh gosh
0: oh, <laughs> don't disgusting. do that don't ever do mayonnaise
1: that. okay Meryl um, go ahead sorry
0: yeah. uh, you mentioned gel I want to touch on something really yes. quick so uh I we've talked about science and sport gels mm-hmm. those are kind of the ones that we've preferred for quite some time I just I don't like traditional gels that are like Frosting I don't like that because
1: then I like it makes the taste you, of them, but it's not good yeah, for while you're writing
0: Yeah, it makes you drink like another bottle right afterward just because you're trying to get the dry sugariness out of your mouth Yeah but, um, I like science and sport gels. I've liked them for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been trying Martens hydration product, okay, they're 160 and 320 mm-hmm And what that is, is that's like a carbohydrate drink. It's not like a replacement for scratch, like a hydration specific, you know, electrolyte drink. This is like getting your carbohydrate through your liquid. Okay. okay. So that's the goal. Um, really good stuff. I love that by the way. Um, it, for me, I feel like what it does is it fills in the valleys that you may have the peaks and valleys. You know, you take a gel and you take something else and it's got caffeine in it or something. You feel like you have plenty of fuel, right? Yeah. And then co oh, boom, then you end up dropping off sugar. Well. Isn't yep. that weird? Yeah. And yeah. then you just feel completely dead. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like what this does is this keeps me in a happy medium and it stops those valleys from being too yeah. deep. I, I really like it. Um, it's good stuff. Um, that's their drink. <clears throat> now they came out with a gel and I wanted to try the gel but I think it's pretty expensive. Um, mm-hmm. so um, but I'm trying it now. The, here's the interesting thing mm-hmm. so you know how like science and sport is watery yes compared to most gel and gel most gel is kind of like frosting like the like the, it's like the consistency yes and then science and sport is watery. This is like gelatin. This is like jello, okay So like when you squeeze it out it's kind of it comes out like in in a in large chunk okay like it, it's at first and some guy was like, dude, it feels like a loogie And I was like, oh, that'll be gross and <laughs> but so I had that in my mind but then I instantly was like, no, this is amazing for two reasons. number one, since it it sticks together, it doesn't leave residue mm-hmm. Like, none at all. Science and sport hardly leaves any, but it still leaves some. After yeah. you take some uh, gel, you're like, yeah, I could use a drink. But it's yeah. not like where you feel like, ah, Sahara Desert I've got in a, mouth.
1: I've got a <laughs> coat of sugar on the yeah. inside of my mouth, and it's yeah. like
0: terrible maple bacon. This one, absolutely nothing. Yeah. You don't need anything. The other cool thing is one squeeze, and it all comes out. Cool. A big, 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 the biggest thing that frustrates me about science and sport is the packaging. Yeah. Like, and because the gel's watery, it's hard to get all the gel out. They're tall. That's another pain. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have to, like... It's like you're working your no hand, yeah, like to really get it all. It's out. like you're
1: eating an otter pop. Yeah, it's yeah. A, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And just like an otter pop, do you remember when you in the summer when you were kids and you just went ham on otter pops and then like the next day like the corners of your mouth were like cut? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that from science and sport gels too.
1: Okay,
0: it's like it's the packaging is too tough.
1: Does Marten do like velvet liners on the top of there? <laughs>
0: no, no. <laughs> that would be funny. No, but it's softer. Okay. Uh, it's easier. It doesn't give me that. It's easier to open too. I love them. And the energy I get from it is fantastic. I feel that it's the same as what I get from a Science and Sport gel
1: awesome so everybody should take out a second mortgage and go buy some
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's not cheap but um, it's not
1: terribly expensive but it is more expensive than
0: the flavor is like just like their drink it's like you almost took a vanilla root and just drug it through some water
1: and that's like it so it's essence of essence. It's like Lacroix.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's better tasting than Lacroix. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't have the distinct toilet flavor that Lacroix tends
1: to have. <laughs> wow! Yeah. If, um, if you didn't know, Jonathan is a sparkly water like snob. Snob. Yeah, Heesh. I exposed myself. I caught him one day. I got to sidetrack this for a yeah, quick yeah, second. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I caught him in his it's office. True. Ordering a bottle. And sparkly water from Germany one day. No, or this something. is from Spain. Oh, Spain! Yeah. Sorry, importing. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was literally on a website ordering a
0: <laughs> bottle. It's kind of a janky website too. It's worth it. Was, where there was good water. It's like Alibaba for yeah. sparkly waters. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm <laughs> pinky out over here. But um, anyways, I, I really do. I that that stuff is awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of it. I think uh, I still haven't figured out how I'm going to handle the electrolyte side of things. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll do it through um, pills through pills maybe yeah maybe I just drop pills in I don't want to put pills into the like I want to leave Martin Martin because the amount of water that you mix it with is very important and you don't want to have like water with a bunch of chemicals in it either because it will affect because they use these things called uh, hydrogels, and yeah. it, like, basically expands, and it almost increases the viscosity of the water. Okay. Anyways, um, so, uh, I don't know. I'll figure out how I'll do the electrolyte stuff, but that's... And you what don't I'll want,
1: do like, water, uh, uh, Hammers and Duralite pills or anything like that? You want it quicker Maybe. and easier? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I do take the pills. I don't know. Okay. We'll find out. Because one of the things that I've done is, and this is a, a very rudimentary way to do it, but it just mm-hmm. works, is just take pink Himalayan sea salt and put, you know... That's bougie. <laughs> a bougie. A little bit. Well, that's all I use, so Steve brings
0: out a small glass of Vial. Hey,
1: you order sparkly water from Spain?
0: It has like a, a tiny, tiny bit of like a, what is that? Like the the fancy Pinterest rope? What is it? <laughs> no Got a little cork in the top of there? Pull out your Himalayan sea salt.
1: Am I pinky out, just yeah, pour a little yeah, bit in. I can yeah. see that. No, I crush it immediately, right. like into. <laughs> you, yeah. you
0: bring the mixer, like yeah. the dude that's asking if you want cracked pepper. Yeah, your it just salad?
1: it's just weird, you know, because the pepper side of things, you know.
0: Oh boy, let's yeah. get into Sam's question. All right, Sam. He says, "Hey guys, love your show. Uh, you." See you, you two seem to know tons about mountain bike suspension. Nah, eh, that's eh. a lie. We just know how it feels. But you know they say, fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah, suspension yeah. <laughs> companies know a whole lot more than us. They do. He says, I thought I'd write in a question for you two. Uh, the bike evil following MB, he weighs, or he is five foot nine inches, mm-hmm. 160 pounds, uh, from New York city. Steve, do you mind running through those conversions really quick? Five foot nine inches. I think he's somewhere around 70 centimeters. Oh geez, I might be wrong. Do you want to give it a Goog and I'm check gonna, that out? I'm going to Goog's Five, nine and 160 pounds. We're going to do that for all of our folks. How many stone not, is
1: that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can skip stone. I think, um, sorry, uh, folks that use stone. My question okay. is about forks. On a recent episode, you two discussed glowing positivity about the RS1. I didn't know it was so good. I have one, just haven't really ridden it much. I also own a 2017 Pike 130 with an upgraded Charger 2 damper. I built my following with a Pike set at 130, but since you two like the RS1 so much, maybe I should ride that on my evil instead. I'd like your opinion about the difference. I don't, and he says in quotes, go big. And do general rock, general rocky East Coast trail riding. The RS one is 120 millimeters. What will I notice being a difference between the two, and which would you recommend for the MB? Thanks so much. Great podcast and keep up the good work. I have very specific uh, suggestions on okay, this one.
1: Cool. So, so he's 72 and a half kilo, uh, kilograms, kilometers, kilometers, nice yeah, 72 and a half kilometers tall, tall <laughs> <yeah>. and 175 <laughs> centimeters okay. tall.
0: Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Um, okay. So, uh, the RS one. First of all, I wouldn't go to it in 130 because I think at that point you are introducing too much potential flex. and
1: Diminish of gains.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, the shorter the stanchions are going to be, the better you have just shorter lever arms basically yeah. with the torsion. The, it does have some torsional give in that wheel. Now, it, that isn't bad for handling necessarily. That's the thing that most people mis- misunderstand. Yeah. Um, I actually am not going to run the RS1 anymore. Mm-hmm. Like dun-dun-dun, big thing. I know I've been on it for a while. Mm-hmm. But the reason is because it has not kept up with the innovation I see from rear suspension designs Yeah, and here's what I mean by that like so my my SB 100 has amazing initial plushness But also has a stability in that that pedaling platform. That's great and then great bottom-out resistance It's like all the things you could ever want all in one right mm-hmm. checks those boxes. You don't get that you have to do give-and-take and take with the RS1, with the Charger 2 damper especially. Okay. The, I like the RS1 better with the Charger 1 damper. Okay. If we're just the Charger. It was better. Um, it had more initial plushness. It wasn't as initially harsh. I'd, I've had one token in my fork on the, when previously before I went to the RS1 with the Charger 2 damper. Okay. I have four tokens in my RS1 now.
1: Just to get it even remotely, remotely initially close.
0: supple. Huh. And, and it's, it's changed the way that fork has performed. I don't think SRAM or RockShox really cares about that fork though, to be honest. Okay. I think they're just like, eh, whatever. They never did a good job of marketing it. They never did a good job of developing it thereafter. And I, that's probably because not a lot of them sold. Yeah. Um, but I'm actually, yeah, So I'm, I'm not, it, it was, it was such a good fork on the AS, on the ASR. It like perfectly matched the feeling. It was so good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the charger two damper would make it better might make it worse actually it probably wouldn't match the asr as well
1: okay.
0: um i feel like the current one with a charger two would be great on a hardtail. yeah but i don't i just i want my front and back end to match in terms of feel you want yeah. that to match otherwise you're always going to be struggling with
1: traction and i feel like the the rs1 would be a great match for like the scalpel as well yes uh-huh. because the scalpel is very supportive and very not plush and it is Yep. An epic. Made for efficiency. An epic. Single pivot bikes like that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yep. Um, So I would totally recommend sticking with the Pike on the MB, especially because at 130, you're getting longer lever arms, introducing perhaps excessive uh, torsional flex at that point.
1: Yeah. Even a revelation would actually be a good option on that, Mm -hmm. especially if you want to save some weight.
0: Yeah. Or
1: 34 step cast. I would say 34 step cast. Then you're mixing, then you're talking mixing a monarch in the rear. And are you going to be able to match the damping and, you know, the damping characteristics? Does it make
0: a 130? Mill step cast, 34 step cast. I
1: think the 130 is, no, it's 120. 120. So he's going to have to go a full 34 trail.
0: Yeah, I think so. Maybe you can upgrade something. Who knows? We may be cover. missing something. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that's what I'd recommend. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be on something new next year. We'll leave it there. Uh, Simon says, I'm currently in the process of trying to build an affordable bomb. proof <laughs> giving me a weird look.
1: Is it allowed? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. Just Shunk. trust us. We'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll, de- Ooh. we'll see.
0: Ooh. Oh, look at that pun you just dropped anyway, there. Anyway. So what's
1: Simon saying? <laughs> Why is your son riding into the.
0: I don't know. He could just ask me. Yeah. Silly kid. Uh, he says, I'm currently in the process of trying to build uh, an affordable bomb proof, rigid, single speed mountain bike for East African cycling development. Uh, he says, I'm on Instagram at Kenyan Riders, Kenyon underscore Riders, if you want to see what we're up to. Cool. He says, uh, what bottom bracket would you choose for building a bike like this? Okay. That's it. Well, he says, what's the strongest BB out there and the least amount of maintenance needed at the right price?
1: Uh, it depends on your BB standard, and it depends on what- No, he can
0: make whatever standard he wants, he's saying.
1: So he's going to make a frame? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I would, honestly, I would do a PF30. Yeah. And I would do like losing their mind. I know (laughs) I would just do a thread together wheels manufacturing or Praxis bottom bracket based on whatever crank set you're going to do.
0: Making a threaded bottom bracket. So you can actually listen back to the episode that we did with stretch from Yeti Mm -hmm. and he talks about bottom brackets and specifically, you know, the, the pros and cons and of threaded bottom brackets versus PF, you know, press fit bottom brackets, press fit, bottom brackets have gotten a terrible reputation and much of that is because of bad construction perhaps from the bike company but also not good installation.
1: Yeah. And your PF um, standards are actually so smart and oh so yeah. easy to work with and it's awesome. I've so. never had a creaky bottom bracket and I've been on press fit for 6 years.
0: Yeah. I've had one and that was because I installed it incorrectly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so like, and I fixed it right. He fixed it. We fixed it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And for what it's worth, uh, SRAM Dub. I, you're probably not going to be putting SRAM Dub on this thing, but that the, their their press fit is improved from yeah. what they had before. Yeah, it, the cups are much better.
1: Yeah, but you're probably also not going to build a BB92 press fit. Yeah. Um, if I were you, I personally, if we were just going to go. What is the simplest and best solution is I would do a 73 millimeter wide PF30, yep. do a thread together bottom bracket with a 30 millimeter spindle and do race face cranks.
0: Then you don't have to worry about threading the the frame or yeah. anything else like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's easy. Man, we probably stirred up some stuff with that one. Uh, let's get into Ned's And that's question. fine. We like that. <laughs> yep, we're okay with Send it. Send us some hate mail. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just go to mtbpodcast.com. Yep. Uh, so Ned says, dear mountain bike gods of the podcast world. He got the wrong email, I think. I was going to say that. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, oh, gotcha, yeah. <laughs> says, yes, this is another suspension question, but I've included plenty of details so you guys can nerd out on me. Please do, he says. After riding a Merida 3000D hardtail for a number of years, I wanted to get into enduro racing and bought myself a 2018 Canyon Spectral CF 9.0. Man, these mountain bike names just roll off the tongue, don't I they? Yeah, yeah. He says, it's got a Fox 34 Performance Elite fork and a Fox Performance Elite Eval Shock. I've heard you guys mention a few times that many people buy bikes with way too much travel travel for the or travel, er, f- travel for the trails that they generally ride. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I think I fall into that category. I'm racing in my local Enduro series, the Taz Gravity Enduro series here in Tasmania, which is predominantly raced on dry, rocky descents with decent-sized drops and technical features, so I do get the use of my 150 to 140 millimeter travel on occasions. However, for the most part, I feel like I lose a lot of momentum in corners and on obstacles when the fork dives. I've tried speeding up the rebound, but I don't feel it's dialed in. If your fork's diving, it's not as much rebound. We're probably talking about an issue with actual volume of the fork.
1: Yeah, we're talking air volume and actual compression. Yeah. Like low speed compression. If
0: you can increase your low speed compression or decrease the volume of your air spring with spacers, it will cause it to dive less. Yes. So, okay, moving on from that. He says, uh, to add to the confusion, I rode my local trails the other day with my fork and shock on half lockout the other day mm-hmm. and I lit up my Strava with golds and silvers everywhere. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yep. <laughs> my bike felt really stable and I didn't get the feeling I was trying to turn a boat through the corners. I. It felt like my bike was having the party of its life.
1: That's because your compression damping ramps harder when you're in medium mode
0: yep so here's my question what should I do to replicate that firm stable feeling when I'm running the fork travel on open we just gave tips on that yeah uh he's and uh, as far as running more air pressure if you run more air pressure that's tricky because then you're also just decreasing you're changing much more than just the where it sits in the travel yes So many times that you'll do is you'll increase, you'll put in tokens, and then you'll decrease the air pressure that you have to get it to sag in the proper position. Totally. Because it it isn't sagging too low. It's when he starts to put energy into the fork, it just drops too deep into it.
1: And that's another thing where a Vorsprung Luftkop, and I'm going to, we did get a a, a message that said that is pronounced Luftkoppa. In Germany. In Germany it is absolutely, but every video that I've seen from Vorsprung They pronounce it loofed cop. So I'm going to call it that.
0: We live in Nevada.
1: Yeah, we don't live in Nevada. I don't, it doesn't matter. The proper
0: way to pronounce it, I know, in in Spanish Spanish language, Nevada.
1: Yeah. But But we live in Nevada.
0: It's Nevada, people. And when you come to Nevada, and if you say Nevada, Nevadans get very upset. Yeah,
1: we, we have bumper stickers that it's explain true. that we get angry Yes, it's
0: that. yeah, yeah, yeah. But,
1: yeah. Um, so yeah, that's another way to also fix this dive and keep your initial plushness and, uh-huh. you know, trail characteristics. And they make them for the 34, the Fox 34.
0: He asks, is there any risk to running forks and shocks on half lockout for a trail ride if no. the terrain doesn't warrant that full 150?
1: No. It's all good. I ride my Jekyll 29 in hustle mode with the rear in medium and Probably I've got much to,
0: more than non, but yeah, I mean,
1: the, a lot more yeah, than not. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah. I don't need 150 mils of travel.
0: Totally. Yeah. Uh, I, and, and man, this is why I recommend people ride a bike with less suspension. Yeah. Like honestly, bottoming out. And getting like a harsh bottom out or anything else those are going away now suspension is getting much better What you do get is basically just the bike won't be able to behave as dynamically and calm when it gets down toward the ends of its travel Sure, but man you're missing out. So that's that's 1% of your time. Yeah, really It's a fraction of a percent of your time when you have those moments. Yes, and I know they can be consequential all it takes is that one fraction of a moment to throw you on Mm -hmm. your head But then you're also, you you might be able to get away with that just fine. And then you'll enjoy the 99 point, whatever percent of the time you'll enjoy it more. Yeah. So short travel for the win. Rob says, thanks for the podcast. I'm a roadie that may have gotten the mountain bike bug. Good, good, good. I live in the, talk to your doctor if you need any sort of specific diagnosis on this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He says, I live in the Dallas Fort Worth area. The whole selecting the type of bike slash bike make and model is very daunting to me. Given my area, it seems the trail versions of cross country offerings like the Epic Evo or Sniper XC trail might be a good choice. I'm frequently asked how I do or how I do or will, or I'm frequently asked how I ride. Uh, and he says, to be honest, I just ride road. <laughs> so it seems like medium travel and efficiency make sense. Thoughts. First of all, on the Sniper XC thing, I was thinking about this. Does that bike actually exist? <laughs> um, <laughs> I've never seen one. Ever. I, I've heard from one well, listener. One listener have? who has ridden one, not owned one, mm-hmm. just ridden one. I've never, ever seen one.
1: So was your friend visiting the greater Temecula area?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know not. Like, it st- has to
1: be... Your zip code. (laughs) So so, I have a theory that Intense will (laughs) not sell a bike to someone whose billing and shipping zip code is outside of the (laughs) nine zero range. The 909, man. That's the spot.
0: I'm an empire.
1: Okay. Well, Aaron Gwynn. Yeah, that's why he's that's why he's building this house in Temecula so he can actually own (laughs) It's
0: true because they're off YT he and Nico. Yeah, 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 it's it all makes sense now It does I want if perhaps their bikes actually cease to function as bicycles if they exit that geofence so to speak, I see. They're like, they're like shot
1: collared. <laughs> they can't go beyond. It's like it. the shopping carts at the at the, yes, uh, the airport. Exactly. When you get them outside. They just like lock up. All
0: intense is just dwell within the the bro area of the yeah. 909. That's it. That's yeah. totally fair. Sorry, intense. We make exactly. fun of Yeti for dentists, so and yeah. we make fun of Cannondale for being weird, nerdy engineer people. Yeah, every brand's got its thing. So, Treks Vanilla Specialized. I don't know uh, the the I have a wind tunnel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Anyways, uh, I would recommend. So first of all, roadies. I see a lot of roadies just get an epic. It's like super common. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or like a hardtail, and then they like s- flip the stem, and then and the chances are, being a roadie, you need a little bit more margin for error.
1: Which means you need a trail XC by. margin of error. Yes, yeah. exactly. So you need an SB one hundred. You need a sniper trail. You need. Uh, it, we can go Trek Fuel EX. We can go Cannondale Habit 29. Yeah, the new Habit looks cool. Uh, Mine will be here in a week and a half.
0: It doesn't look like a full-on XC race bike, Rob, but at the same time. So I, I'm thinking, yeah, like you said, Intense Sniper, um, SB100. Epic Evo might be okay, but it's still got the brain, and I don't like that about yeah. it. Um, uh, yeah, so that's not, not something I really like. You're looking at the down country side of things, absolutely, as, as Mike Levy called it. I yeah. know people hate that. I don't know why you hate it. It's, it's fine. It's yeah. just words, um, but it's. I, I feel like that's the spot where where you should be going. I agree. That's where most XC bikes are going anyway. Yeah, that's the future. So get ahead of it, Rob.
1: Yeah, you're gonna um, get the climbability. You're gonna get the trail ability. You're gonna yeah. get really as much best of both worlds as you can.
0: Yep, and it's gonna still those. gonna be a fully legit race bike that you can use.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Okay, uh, Chad says, when is it and when when is it not a faux pas to wear a full face helmet while mountain biking? This is a fantastic question, the type when of
1: thing I care about. When you're at a bike park that requires it or you're in a downhill race. <laughs> you should wear
0: a full face. Yeah. If you feel uncomfortable on the terrain that you're on, sure, you can wear a full face too. Yeah. Um, totally, uh, whatever you want. Don't show up to a hill climb. With a full face. With a full face. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. Can I throw in another rule here? Yes. When full face, goggle.
1: Yes, never glasses. Yes. (laughs) Never. I don't even care if it has a removable chin bar. Yeah. No. Do it, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: When when half-shell, you can run goggles, but
1: you're making a pretty bold statement. You better be fast. Yep. Yeah.
0: When half-shell, that's when you use glasses.
1: Yeah. But I half-shell with goggles sometimes. Yeah, totally. And I do it on occasions where... Uh, I've gone to Downeyville with Dylan Santos and yeah. we did a downhill run in a lightning storm downpour Yeah, and we goggled with half shells that Yeah, day. you can send so you can pull it off. This is true.
0: Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, more questions on, on full face from Marius. I hope that's how you say the name. Okay. Uh, Hey guys, great job. I listened to your podcast on my work commute. I'm slowly catching up on episodes. Question. Can you talk a bit about helmets full face in particular? I might be looking at buying a full face helmet sometime at some point soon. So a lot of info is available, but it gets really confusing. Number one is carbon fiber stronger or safer than fiberglass? No. I kind of wish that we had Neil, our friend Neil Stores well, with us. He'd be able to. Jump I worked into in this. the
1: advanced composites industry and auto industry. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we
0: don't need Neil. Yeah. I know, but you know, Neil was Neil. We wanted to feel important every once. In he knew one. a lot, and you know, he's a good guy with that stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, carbon fiber is it stronger than fiberglass? No, no it is not. Uh, in fact, I would argue that carbon fiber is not the. It's not that it's a bad material for helmets, but it's not the best. I think that fiberglass has some appealing things about it.
1: Fiberglass has, typically, with the right resins, mm-hmm. has better uh, energy absorption.
0: Yeah, it can crunch and crumple a little better. It's not going to want to snap back into form so quickly. Exactly. If I, that's a very engineers come at me, bro. but yes. That's a very like light. Very broad, state. very high level thing.
1: Very, very general and very layman's term. Yeah. Carbon fiber is the same strength. Same strength only. Lighter typically Got it. that is really what you're doing is you're a getting very a lighter statement. People. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah Yeah, it, so I, I think that I actually in my mind I'm, I'm totally okay with fiberglass and kind of prefer it. Um, it's just fine Most fiberglass helmets these days are getting them pretty close if you have a carbon helmet You have to use a decent amount of material and in my mind if you're using carbon Hopefully you're doing something else too to kind of make it so that it's can absorb impact pretty well yeah, but it Carbon isn't—I know carbon is understood as, like, it's lighter, so it's better, but it's kind of not.
1: not. Um, and I have a carbon helmet. It doesn't make any difference to me, though. Yeah. I and, got it because I got it for free.
0: Yeah, and, and carbon— like, uh, the, the real appeal of carbon is that you can, it's a dynamic material, and you can make it flex and behave exactly how you want
1: in specific ways. And you can with fiberglass. You can do that, too. You are still dealing with a cloth mat, yep. and you can do your layup totally. matrix, your layers of material, identically. Yeah. The difference is carbon fiber has, in in theory, has more impacts yeah. and flexes, in, in theory. theory, Yep. in general. Yeah than fiberglass does right fiberglass typically if you have one impact one really hard impact on something made of fiberglass it's done it crushes it crushes carbon fiber will as well yeah Yeah, carbon fiber fiber will as well but it'll take more yeah yeah
0: um so what's the point of removable cheek pads cheaper helmets don't have it
1: honestly like it's so you're not chewing on the sides of your your cheeks like that's really it
0: yeah but you know i feel like uh, i feel like i see a lot of people like with their cheek pads stuck in their goggle strap on their helmet. I'm just like, calm down.
1: I never like, take mine out either, <laughs> yes, so. You
0: don't need to take them yeah. out. The
1: okay. only thing that I see is for certain people who have certain like facial structures that sometimes having a removable cheek pad like mm-hmm. with Bell and Giro, yeah. they make different thicknesses of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah so for sure. That's that makes good. sense. That makes sense. I
1: remember having a One Industries Trooper Carbon helmet in the Moto days. Yeah. And that had removables, and I had to put thinner cheek pad yeah. uh, ones in it because it was already a really tight fitting helmet.
0: And I know what people are saying. I take my cheek pads out because it's hot on a climb. I take them out. And I get that. That's why you're doing that, but um, get a helmet that's better ventilated. Yeah. <laughs> like straight up. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's it. Because um, I don't know how it's safe to wear a helmet without cheek pads when full face helmets are designed to grip your face. Yeah. They don't have retention systems to be able to tighten on your head. So when you're doing that, it's not tight. It's not safe.
1: That's like saying I'm going to disconnect my Hans device while I'm doing yeah, so I exactly. can turn my head and see behind you. Yeah,
0: me. so if you need to wear a helmet at the resort, I don't get out. That's okay. Anyways, finally, lots of helmets come with double D buckles. I always found them annoying in every other use. Are they better for DH helmets? Double D buckles aren't better in any way. No. Um, buckles are pretty sweet. Then there are some systems that just use, like, magnets where it's just, like, and it just snaps into place. That's cool, too. Um, you'll get used to double Ds if you have them, and it won't be a problem at all. You'll just...
1: Every once in a while, I have to, like, take a glove off to get my double Ds right, but yeah, I, it's, I, it's so simple. It's yeah, not a big deal.
0: Really isn't. Um, and then, uh, says thanks guys and say hi to moose, the dog. Oh,
1: and Maggie nice. May.
0: Yeah. And Maggie May now. Yeah. Yeah. You're little pibs. Okay. Um, let's rip through just a couple more of these. Uh, next one is from Matt. Greetings from Rochester, New York. He says I'm new to the podcast as of two weeks ago and I think it's great. I'm really enjoying some of the older episodes, but with so much catching up to do and only a 10 minute commute each way, it's going to take a while. You know, Good. he needs You've to got do, time, bud. You know, no, he's only got a 10 minute commute though. You know, um, he needs to do. He what? needs to move further away from work so he can listen to us more. <laughs> uh, he says, forgive me if my questions have been asked and answered already, but I do have a couple questions for you. In the non-winter months, I primarily ro- ride mountain, he says, the Santa Cruz Bronson, mm-hmm with an occasional XC rider race on a Specialized Rockhopper 29er hardtail and an occasional road ride being a Davinci Leo 105 thrown into the mix. In the winter, I've been putting the road bike on the trainer, an older Cyclops mag trainer with the Wahoo Blue speed cadence sensor, and working on doing interval training. I'm wondering if I'd be better off putting one of the mountain bikes on the trainer instead to be more in the same position as most of my outdoor riding is, or if it isn't making that much of a difference. Since I'm in the saddle the whole time. Anyways, thoughts, we get this question pretty regularly. Um, the point is, uh, so you're going to be getting similar adaptations in many ways. However, muscular adaptations are, are specific in many respects. Like, um, Uh, sure. Like you're building mitochondrial density, perhaps at the same rate, you're doing certain things like, you know, you're teaching your body to do things, but however you use your muscles differently when you're in a different position. And as a result, you're going to be engaging muscle fibers or using them in just different ways. Um, perhaps you're using more muscle fibers that you wouldn't use otherwise or ones that you wouldn't use at other times. And thusly you're producing more lactate and then you have to shuttle that lactate differently. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a, but it's a marginal gain. I would say you're really getting the benefit if you're doing the work. Uh But uh, if you want to really, you know, if you're really cutting hairs or or splitting hairs here, then you want to get to the point where, yeah, I use the same bike. But really, in reality, if you can, your mountain bike should be set or your road bike should be set up very close to your mountain bikes. So in that sense, maybe it wouldn't be that like for me on my road bike and my mountain bike, the position is very, very, very similar. Yeah, my, my scalpel
1: h- to my Super X was very similar. And my handlebars,
0: my handlebars are a bit higher yeah. on the on the X on my one hundred yeah. than they are on my road bikes. Yep. That's it. So then what are your thoughts on cross training? Typically, even in the months that I can ride outdoors, I'll go for a three to five mile run a couple times a week. I think that's actually a really good idea. So the reason for that is because sometimes you don't have your bike, but you want to be, you want to still want to do fitness things. Like maybe you're traveling or something like that. And then a cyclist go, oh, we're fit. Yeah. I'm going to go for a run and we run for a mile and like I ride for like. 60 miles and I don't even care. So I'm going to run for 10 miles and then introduce doms that are so bad. We can't even walk upstairs for like three weeks. Right? So running somewhat regularly like that, I think is a good idea. You don't have to go crazy, no crazy pace. You don't have to do really long distances, but I think it's a good idea. He says, I know it helps for my general health and fitness, but how is this impacting my riding or other improvement in riding through training? Uh, The fact is running fitness like you do rise the aerobic fitness and aerobic capabilities. So to a certain extent, but it does not transfer directly over to the bike. Being a faster runner doesn't make you a faster cyclist. However, being a more active person generally will make you a better cyclist um, just because it's more time being active. Mm -hmm. But don't look for any direct crossover Um, uh, on the Tone of cross training, uh, I, back skiing, I find it very helpful. Cross country skiing, very helpful for mountain biking. Yeah. Uh, really good things to do CrossFit. Yeah, honestly, for mountain biking, if you're not concerned with your watt KG and you're doing enduro or anything else, heck yeah, man. It's really, really effective training, uh, really aerobic. Like uh, CrossFit is not Olympic deadlifting. No. It's that plus just like ex- it's extremely metabolic, like it's high intensity stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you're pulling on the same kind of strings there. So like the fatigue that you introduce to your body on the bike, you're kind of doing the same thing. It's not like just lifting, for example, pulls on slightly different strings. Yeah. Crossfit will do the same, but. <coughs> anyway, Adrian, can you guys do another review of the cork shock? Whiz the first time you reviewed it, it was, and that's quark shock. Whiz. sorry. I didn't pronounce it clearly. The first time you reviewed it, it was attached to your already expertly dialed suspension. The result was unsurprisingly that it confirmed what you already knew to be true. The suspension was dialed. That yes. was just us patting our own back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks cork. Thanks shock. Whiz. Yeah. Um, he says, uh, can you give it another go? And then this time test it on the bike where the suspension is deliberately undialed to see if it will guide you to the optimal settings. So. I have had plenty of people try the ShockWiz since then, mm-hmm. um, and it has helped some people. Some people it hasn't.
1: Yeah, I actually think that I might grab the the rental unit because the the bike shop that um yeah. used to manage actually has one. Bicycles. Yeah, they have one for rental, and they have Garmin Vector pedals for rent too. It's kind of cool. cool, so you can try them out. And see. That's a good idea. I, like um, I think I'm going to steal them because <laughs> well, I'm going to steal the... not the Vector pedals. I think so bring I'm them steal back the the, cor- yeah. the ShockWiz. Yeah. and I'm going to install it on the rear shock because I had a weird issue with my with my Jekyll rear shock. Okay. And the guys replaced the shock but they thought that I had a Jekyll 275 so they set mm. the rebound Differently oh, than on yeah. the twenty nine, yeah. So I have my rebound as fast as it'll go, as little damping as possible, and I feel like the rebound is still too slow. Ooh. So I might throw the shockwiz on it just to confirm that. Got I haven't it. ridden the bike a whole lot. It's I did use a case. lot of ind- yeah. So I'm going to try that so we can actually see. You know, with cool. you guys, I think that this sh- this is deliberately or. It's effectively not dialed yeah. correctly. I want to see. I th-
0: the- I think the Shaw quiz is a great product, mm-hmm. um, and I think it can be really helpful for people if they because suspension tuning can be confusing. So exactly, I think it's good. Uh, Donnie says I'm leaning towards doing the Leadville 100 mountain bike race next year. I'm Sorry to hear about your ride.
1: affliction, sir. Can I can I tell you about some? No, you're not doing it, are you? I'm
0: doing it. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, you know what? I gotta get it. I gotta gotta get that one done. Gotta check that box. Okay. I mean, you don't gotta. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to do it this year. I'm doing Leadville. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to be on another podcast, um, the Leadville podcast throughout the year. Yep. Um, so I'll be giving training tips and that sort of stuff. I'll be a guest on their podcast. So uh, you can tune to that one. Um, at some point you'll be able to catch that one. So, but yeah, yeah, I'm doing Leadville, man. So anyway, Donnie, I'm just gonna try to go sub eight. I think that's possible.
1: Why is that not possible?
0: I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean,
1: I don't know. We have dentists in our, like, friends group that have done it in, like, 830. Yeah. Like, yeah. you should be able to break 8.
0: Maybe sub 7? Let's not get no, wait, I don't think I can do that. I
1: can do it like a 710. <coughs> I'm going to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say 711.
0: 711? Yeah. Nice. I like that. There
1: you go. If I do that, do I get a Slurpee from you? Sure. I'll buy you a Slurpee. Heck yeah. You're just getting the gross banana mango flavor. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> Mixed with cola.
0: <laughs> oh, good. disgusting. Yeah. Okay. So he says, I'm fairly new to mountain biking and currently on a hardtail 29er. What do you think of the SB 100 for Leadville? Uh, would and would it be great on the terrain at home? And he says, I know it would be great on the terrain at home, but wondering about the unique aspects of Leadville. It says obviously a great bike for Brack Epic as well. If I switch, oh,
1: to that. great bike for Brack for sure. Killer bike, killer Brack. bike for the Brack Epic. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Can't remember if you discussed this on the podcast, which is uh, great by the way. Keep it up. <clears throat> so I'm racing the SB 100 for sure on that one. Uh, I'm probably not even going to be doing it locked out because that bike is so freaking efficient. Yeah, um, <clears throat> the it, and it has that initial plushness. So <clears throat> I didn't. I, I was at Leadville last year, mm-hmm. and I was a support crew. Uh, so I didn't ride the course at all. You are um, watching Nate just eat cereal. But yes. Free. Yeah, it was true. But I, walked, I, I saw portions of the course. Yeah. And the one thing I can say is I think that a full suspension is better
1: for Leadville than a hardtail.
0: Okay. And the reason that I say that is because there are small bumps, and those small bumps add up, and you'll be extremely tired.
1: Over 100 miles. Yeah. Yep. The fastest guys yeah. may be pretty much on gravel bikes.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, even our Grotz picked the Epic over the Epic hardtail. Yeah. That's true, and he did that because he felt like it would help on the small bumps, yeah, and, that's and that's saying that's, something because yeah. he was he was on a brain. Yeah, so you know, um, I, I do think it's faster. Absolutely, um, scientifically, I think it's just a faster way, better preservation of forward momentum. Um, the sb 100s, I think, is going to be a great bike for it, and also from a
1: fatigue standpoint, <laughs> mm-hmm. it also makes sense to be yeah. on a very very light full suspension, yeah, efficient bike with anti squat.
0: Yep, exactly. I think it's a I think it's a good choice. No brainer. Yep, uh, Alex asked another helmet question when should you replace your helmet given that you haven't crashed are there any manufacturer recommendations and what do you guys do personally yes there are manufacturer recommendations you have to ask each one of them because helmets are lots of liability involved there of course um, what I do uh, I mean I switch out I get a new road helmet and a new cross country helmet and a new like a enduro half shell helmet every year
1: Every season. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, it's expensive, but uh, I usually, if I don't break them because I've already crashed in them, I do it because it's not worth my head in my mind. Yeah, um, It's not that the helmet can fatigue, but just knocks and everything else. And all it takes is you landing in the same spot where you already compressed that EPS foam a little bit and the intended protection or protective capabilities of that helmet are not there.
1: Yeah. Um, Downhill helmet. I've had the same carbon bell full nine for five years, four yeah. years.
0: Yeah, and a lot of them have like, you know, um, you know, multi-density or multi-layer density EPS foam mm-hmm. and plenty of stuff. Some people say throw away a helmet after a single crash. And I'm not going to say no because I don't want to be liable for any injuries. Of course, And it's, it's a tough one. Uh, Alex, there's, there's a lot of evidence where people say that like, you don't have to throw your helmet away after one use. Then there's evidence that you do. And it's really tricky. Helmets and concussions. Another person asked us, why haven't we gone into concussions and talked on that fact is we don't know. And I'm not just saying you and I, we as humans don't know enough about concussions yet.
1: Absolutely. The NFL barely knows enough about concussions.
0: We're just figuring it out. Yeah. So I'm not going to go off and give advice based on what I've gotten from my doctors because I've gone different advice from many doctors yeah
1: so. you and i have a, a a very similar understanding that it's better to be safe than sorry totally we, we feel that way with tires we feel that way yep. with any safety product yep. we would rather be overly safe and spend the money yes than chance 100 yeah
0: george he says i'm a new listener we have two left here Um, yeah. George says, I'm a new listener. Awesome podcast. My question is about hand and arm fatigue when descending on trails with lots of corners. I felt, or I felt like it's due to hard breaking before the corners. I don't get fatigue on trails that have less corners. I've adjusted my brake levers into several different positions, um, trying to relieve arm and hand fatigue, but what should I do to actually alleviate this fatigue? Because it's not working, you say. Calm down. (laughs) I'm starting to think that it may be my handlebars. They are Bontrager Line Pro carbons. They didn't feel natural when I first got them. Mm -hmm. I'm used to them now. So first thing, okay, a technique has probably the majority of uh, of things to do with your hand fatigue, Mm -hmm. I would say.
1: Yes. Uh, Over gripping the bars totally go
0: on to YouTube and look at trainer road how to become a faster mountain biker and there's a fantastic video with Lee McCormick from Lee likes bikes He's awesome one of the best like technique coaches I've ever worked with in anything skiing anything he's incredible Uh Uh, check his stuff out. If you get into the proper position, you don't need to grip your bars hard. Yeah. You don't. It's that simple. Absolutely. Um, uh, I, I mean, I was pounding North Star laps this year, and my hands were never getting tired. Yeah. So uh, that's one thing. Um, now, hands getting sore, like the skin getting sore, that's another thing, because I have baby soft, terrible, delicate skin. Um, so aside from technique, and and once again, I'm not going to go into technique here. You can check that out on the video. That'll be a whole lot easier. Yeah. Um. I see three things so let's cover levers Um, a lot of people run their levers like way far down
1: which rolls your wrist forward yep not good
0: and that's gonna cause a lot of excess tension and fatigue on trying to stabilize yourself on your bars yes a lot of people I see, it's like cool now, and Enduro, mo, no, enduro and downhill cool. guys just always want to be Moto guys. It's mm-hmm. really funny. It's weird to me. Um, it's not like Moto was leading the charge and being data-driven about anything. It's like the most undata-driven sport ever. Yeah, like Cycling is much more data-driven.
1: That's where flat-billed
0: <laughs> hats came from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Steven. That's <laughs> where dudes curl the bill of their hat up, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, they run their levers straight out, like parallel. hmm uh, and they're like, Oh, it just, just feels good. They're like, no, you're doing it. Cause you want to be that mountain biker. You want to make it. Cool stay- yeah. yeah. Uh, it's halfway in between somewhere around 45 degrees and up from that a bit probably is where you you should be. Um, and then, uh, but then if you look at it too, your lever position, you should be positioning your lever so that just your index fingers are on the outside of that lever basically at the end,
1: creating the most leverage.
0: So then you don't have to grip as hard. Exactly. Grips. Some grips that we can recommend.
1: Yeah, Um, the new ESIs, the ESI Pro. Oh, have you been using
0: those? Yeah. Do you like them?
1: Yeah, they're the same ones you run. No, no, I'm running ODIs. Oh, wait, no
0: ODI. I'm an ODI. (laughs) ODI. So I was running ESIs, (laughs) and I was getting some significant hand fatigue. Um, So I, I switched over. Um, and it wasn't
1: on my XC bike. I wasn't getting hand fatigue. I think they're the ODI team pros is what they're called.
0: Yeah. I'm just looking up, uh, right now. Um, so on the XC bike, I went to the F one series vapor grips. They are amazing. I like them much more than I like the ESIs. It's a bummer because I love the people behind ESI. They're really nice folks. But the F1, you got to try these vapors, man. Okay. They are so good. When I get an XC bike, I will. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you don't have yours. I don't have a scalpel anymore. No, sad day. Um, But it's there. I would. I love those grips. Mm -hmm. Like they are very good for enduro stuff. I even would run them for enduro. Oh. They're really, really good. Nice. Improved much upon the, and that's the F1 series vapor, not float. Um, Big difference there. Improved much upon just the standard ESI grip. Then for Enduro, both of us have been running the, Elite, uh, the ODI Elite Pro lock-ons. Mm-hmm. Those ones are really good. I took my brother's pro tip and I shaved down the top of it where it goes into your palm just a little bit, uh, where it the kind of- domed The portion. dome. Shaved it with a razor blade. Why? Just shaved it down a bit just because my brother said he felt like it was too much of a like bulbous too bulbous for him
1: see it feels right for me yeah I love you,
0: it. you have bear paws you yeah know, that's true. giant hands yeah um, uh, so but yeah and I trimmed mine down on the edges mm-hmm. and I feel like I have better control interesting okay but uh, those are such good
1: grips yeah one thing I really love about those grips is that you do not have the lock on on the outside yes and it, the grip feels right. Yeah. All the way to the edge of the grip. Yeah.
0: And it doesn't twist. No. It doesn't move. No. So, the problem with lock ons on the outside is that if you are in a proper position with your or proper bar width, levers in proper position, riding rough terrain, that outside lock on is going to rub into the outside of your hand. Yes. And I had holes this year. I had in holes my in my hands. gloves. Oh, yeah. It was bad. So, that's why those grips are so good. Yeah. Kudos to Dustin Lee, my brother, for turning us onto those ones. Yeah. So, good for him. Uh, okay. Uh, next one is, so yeah, that's what I recommend. Oh, and then bars, bars are important. Sorry. I have actually heard that those exact bars are very rigid, very uncomfortable. Uh Uh, I, this is once again, bars, it's not about weight. It's about riding dynamics. And that's why I like envy so much.
1: Yeah. They're they do so, so much better work in harmonic damping and yes. damping the vibrations of the trail.
0: I just switched from Roval on a road stuff, but Roval CLX fifties mm-hmm. on my Venge and S works Venge. Everything is absolutely dialed in. Right. And like they designed the bike well, even, I built like, it with, it with these wheels. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, and and it's got these Roval, uh, CLX fifties are really cool. All this stuff. Sure. I got NV five sixes, the SES five sixes, mm-hmm. the discs, um, Whoa, totally different. Yeah. Like it sounds different. Even it doesn't have as hollow tingy of a sound. My wheels are stiff, but they are actually more forgiving in a lot of ways. Better power transfer. Like the reason MV is good at at carbon is because they understand the ride dynamics and much more so than just like, we need to make it light and we need to make it stiff. Like they really know what they're doing. Yeah. And that's why it costs more. Because plain and simple.
1: That is why it costs more. They do they spend more. more time doing it.
0: Yep. That's it. Yeah. They're really good. So I know we're recommending Envy, and that's like top of the market, but yeah, those bars are known for not being, at least from what I've heard, and not being the best bar, the Bond Trigger Lime Pro Carbons.
1: If you're gonna upgrade to another carbon bar, don't just buy an FSAK light. Totally. You know, something like that. Don't just buy another carbon bar thinking it's going to solve your problem because of sweep and rise and yep. all of that.
0: I've ridden aluminum bars that I mm. far preferred to Truvative carbon bars, yeah. for example. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, last question Alex. Fi- hey guys, five stars. Nice job, Alex. I like that. I have a cornering technique question for you. How much are you biasing your weight fore and aft while cornering? I know getting low and dropping your outside foot is important, but I haven't found any info on how to balance your weight forward or rearward. My assumption is slightly in front of center. How does this change depending on the corner, and does it differ for a tight switchback on a rocky on a rocky trail versus a fast berm? It says love the podcast and keep up the dad jokes and dumb and
1: dumber references. So the first thing I'm not going to answer your question directly at first, yeah, Alex.
0: Okay, we might
1: differ on this. This would be interesting. No, it's <coughs> yeah. what tire. In cornering, Ooh, point. gives you the most cornering traction. What is the most critical tire? Yeah, front, front by Front's far, critical. right? Oh, front yeah. for braking, front for cornering. Yep, it's critical. You lose the front and you're done.
0: Yep, only only, only time is when it's wheelie Wednesday. To, well, that's, then it's true back wheel time. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, yeah, but but I can't wheelie, so
1: yeah. I don't necessarily think you need to bias your weight forward. No, in no. any sort of. Oh, I need to get forward, get your weight low and -hmm. you will naturally move into the right position if your bike is set up correctly. A
0: hundred percent. Yes. Steve and I, we we align on this. We did. So the the thing is you're thinking too much, Alex. Yes. And the reason you're thinking too much is because you're not in the right position. So you're feeling these problems. Mm -hmm. So when when you're not in the right position, you will feel like, uh, where should I be? Like, should I go forward or back? Because you're feeling uncertainty. Basically, Mm -hmm. you don't have traction in the front of the rear. So what you need to do, Alex, is you need to g- look at that same video I just recommended from Lee Likes Bikes, and he is going to talk about putting yourself in the proper position to be able to row and anti-row, making sure that your knees don't go in front of the bottom bracket. They should ne- Your knees should never, ever, ever be in front of that spindle when you are standing up on your bike, mm-hmm. ever. When you're pedaling, they kind of have to, right? Yeah. But uh, that'd be hard to pedal. Otherwise, I don't really know how that would work. But when you are when you are standing up, your knees should never go in front of that bottom bracket, flat out. Ever. When they go in front of that bottom bracket, you are in the danger zone. You are in a vulnerable position. You are not stable on the bike. And then as a result, what you end up doing, you get your knees go forward. And then when your knees go forward, you feel as if you're getting too far forward on the bike. Mm -hmm. So you raise your upper body up. Little do you know, you're actually causing a worse problem because your weight is still forward, but then you've. Put yourself even higher. You've raised higher your center, center of gravity, gravity
1: and pushed it forward. <laughs>
0: so then now you're just waiting to topple over forward. Yes. It's a vicious cycle. And and when our body is, when we feel uncertainty or we're fear or anything else, we want to go back and away from that. So you see a lot of people talk about, oh, no, yeah, with bikes, you just got to lean back and, and go through it. No, you don't lean back. And that sh- that's bad advice. Mm-hmm. The, the point is get low.
1: You get but, your butt back. Sure. But your butt goes back. You don't want your front to go forward. Exactly
0: right. When you get low, your knees don't go forward. Mm-hmm. Your knees stay in line with that bottom bracket or behind and you get low. That's the important thing. Exactly. So check out that video. It's really good. It has fantastic technique, um, uh, suggestions on there. So, um, that's, and uh, honestly, that one thing, making sure your knees never go in front and then watch the video and get the, you know, the proper positioning. It will. Absolutely fundamentally changed mountain biking for you. It's amazing. Yeah. Huge breakthrough Steve. That's it. It is it That is it. Uh, thank you worldwide cyclery. You're awesome This is the mountain bike podcast presented by them uh, a reminder on a couple things Uh so you can go to the store, right, and go to mtbpodcast.com, get mm-hmm. some swag items. I really need to put other swag items on. I have a box of fenders. I need to put that up. Uh, and I there. actually
1: have to send – I need stickers because I keep forgetting to send them out to one of our yeah, we need one of our fans. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so you can go on to MTB Podcast there. You can get your bike parts from Worldwide Cyclery by clicking on the banner there. Mm-hmm. Or you can get your MTB Podcast swag there. Uh, but you can also – uh, uh, one thing I want to remind people of is sign up for epic rides races and they're opening up on June 1st. You totally no, don't January 1st Jan- January 1st, we me, mean not June 1st. They'd miss a few of their events that yeah. way, but January 1st people should sign up um, If you're doing Leadville, let me know It would be cool to meet up with you folks. I know we have a long time, but just let me know. If you're doing an Epic Rides,
1: let us know. Let us know. My birthday weekend. um, You had mentioned this, and I had already Uh said I want to do it. We're going to do the Grand Junction.
0: Grand Junction off-road. Yeah. And then uh, Carson City off-road. Yes. And then I'm doing 24 Hours in the Old Pueblo in February.
1: The old 24. Indeed.
0: Uh, Steve, that's it. It is it. Have. Nice day. (laughs)